Digital Smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Be People Smart podcast episode. I'm Jodie Greer. I'm the founder of Be People Smart, and I am your host. So today, I'm going to be busting some more myths. And again, I am not alone. So I have another wonderful guest speaker to introduce you to today. I have with me Kay Moores. Kay, can you tell us a bit about yourself, please? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm I'm Kay Moores. Uh, I'm uh, founder of Drum Studios, which is a marketing agency with uh, emphasis on digital sustainability and accessibility. So our mission is to basically craft accessible and sustainable content by overcoming barriers and inequality for brands who really do wish to lead the way. Wonderful. We love accessibility. We love brands who want to lead the way. So this is going to be good. <laughs> Unfortunately, not all brands want to lead the way, though. That's the problem. This is true. But hopefully we can influence some more. Yeah, absolutely. So Kay and I are going to be busting two primary myths today. And as I always say, there's always another one at least that comes up in conversation. But our myths are that being disabled means living an unfulfilled life and long-term customers will remain loyal. So this is going to be a really interesting chat. Mm -hmm. So first of all, Kay, to understand a bit more about you. Um, so obviously not everyone's born with a disability. And you are a prime example. Yeah, I am so indeed. Would you share a little bit with us about your own disability and your diagnosis? Yeah, of course. So um, in early 2020, I now know that I was having a bleed on the brain. But at the time, I was getting double vision, vertigo, balance, and kind of, I assumed it was stress, work was busy. There was a lot going on. I think it was homeschooling during COVID at the time. Um, and I kind of put it to one side for a couple of days, but it progressively got worse. So I went to hospital and they confirmed that I had a bleed on the brain caused by something called a cavernoma, um, <clears throat> which was inside my brainstem. And obviously I did lots and lots of MRIs and they said, really, it's inoperable in the fact that if we operate on this, you will have long-term disabilities. So the best thing to do is to leave it well alone and rehab as best as you can, which is obviously what I did. Um, but a couple of months later, I collapsed and it turned out the cavernoma had grown to the size that I had no choice but to have it removed. Otherwise, if it had bled now, it would have been catastrophic. So I underwent a a 10 hour brain surgery on the brainstem and they got rid of 90% of the tumor, which is good. Um, but that has left me with multiple uh, hidden disabilities as well as very apparent hemiplegia. So, yeah. Just for our listeners, because I yeah. know that hemiplegic or hemiplegia may be a term that some don't understand. And rather yeah. than me tell them, because this is your life. Can you just explain what that is, please? Yeah, you're not right. I think most people I mentioned that term too. They 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 don't know what it is, but it essentially means uh, muscle weakness or paralysis, spasticity, and increased muscle tone on one trunk side of your body. So hemi meaning half, 
and then the plegia would be the same as quadriplegia or paraplegia. So in my instance, I can use my right hand side of my body, but I can't use my left. Thank you very much. And of course, that impacts accessibility. Um, of course. If it hasn't, if places and solutions haven't been made with people in mind. Yes. So on that point, I just want to touch on, um, I guess it's coming to our first myth. And I want to also talk to you a bit about accessibility for yourself as well. But, you know, we talk, one of the myths you wanted to bust, which I think is such a powerful one, is that being disabled means living an unfulfilled life. So, you know, you've got this new disability. Mm-hmm. Um, I know from talking to you before that you still do an awful lot. So let's bust the first myth. How yeah. fulfilled are you? <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. I think I I also probably had a bit of that unconscious bias when, when I uh, acquired my disability and I was worrying about how I was going to be able to I don't know, carry on running the business or looking after the kids or just getting out and about and everything in in your day-to-day had to suddenly change and and, but once you get over that initial how do I do this how do I make it work you know what everyone can carry on I personally carry on doing obviously my job my careers my hobby everything nothing changes I think the only thing that 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 really does change is that small support or accommodations from individuals can make help me to live a fulfilled life so I don't I don't feel that I'm missing out on anything and if anything I probably am more positive and have a better outlook on life now now that it's happened but where you can get more fulfilled areas would be from people just being a bit more accommodating and supportive and listening because from me personally everyone sees the very apparent uh, hemiplegia but what they don't see is you know the trigeminal neuralgia the clonus the neuropathy the dysphagia the sensory processing all of that is obviously invisible to them but trying to articulate that to someone when someone sees me, they immediately say, would you like a hand or would you like help? But they're meaning my mobility. They're not seeing, well, obviously they can't see anything through my eyes. So so how could they? But it, it's like, unless you are very proactive at, say, at talking about it and explaining those day-to-day struggles that you have and how simple things can make a difference, it's, it's not regarded in my opinion people it's yeah if you don't see it it's not there and that's exactly where accessibility comes in because if we design all of our solutions and our services and our premises with accessibility in mind Mm. then it's kind of irrelevant because you're including people from the off there's always adjustments needed that is a fact um but I want to touch on that actually because before we talk about how you actually um make marketing accessible and so on I know that you were given leaflets for your own needs that yeah. were a challenge. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So when I was in uh, the rehab unit, neuro rehab, I, it was during COVID. So I didn't have any family or friends come to visit. So the only person who could absorb the information was myself, which 
I found incredibly hard anyway with sensory processing, trying to just absorb everything that's thrown at me. But a lot of the things they'll, they'll, they'll tell you in, in hospital is, oh, you've got this, you've got that. And what they then hand to you is a leaflet or a pamphlet or something for you to, to read and digest and understand your diagnosis. But the problem is a lot of them had, uh, like, <clears throat> excuse me, low contrast, big blocks of copy, which I am horrendous at, and uh, links, not, not links, but set for more information, visit this URL, which obviously is on a leaflet, and just trying to kind of put that across and trying to read whilst also typing was just, it just became so hard to do that um, a lot of the times I kind of gave up and went straight to websites because I thought I'm in digital marketing so I know websites and videos are fantastic sources of information that's where I should look and then suddenly I would that's I suppose the kind of point where the penny drops that actually 99% of what I was looking at had inaccessible fonts or had moving content that was making the, the motion sickness and the vertigo triggering and and it was it was an absolute minefield to the point that I think I stopped even trying to to find out information about what I'd been told. And I had to call my husband and get him to do the research and then relay the information back to me. And the it, I think with the whole world, with digital accessibility and and um, in the real world, obviously everyone should be. That would be, you know, the perfect scenario. But I think when it comes to patient-centric communications where it's aimed purely at a patient and especially the kind of diagnosis I was getting, which is very much from a, a brain injury or a neuro side, you would have, I would have imagined that, that the person to test that information on is, is people with a brain injury. But clearly what they've done is just got a design agency to put something together and and that's the information that the healthcare professional thinks that you need yeah and I think this happens a lot in so many areas when it comes to accessibility that rather than sort of usability testing the people that yeah. actually need the product or the leaflet yeah. um it, it does often tend to be an assumption of yeah. what's okay but sadly, and you probably found this, and we're kind of moving into your own business now, but sadly, and you probably found this yourself, um, talking to clients and so on, a lot of the people that create this material have literally no concept of accessibility. So they create what they think is pretty. They create what they think is going to resonate with human beings from a, a tech standpoint, maybe in their own yeah. minds, um, but certainly not from an accessible one. Mm. So. I know that you've kind of changed some of your focus in how you deliver with your business. So how has that manifested? Yeah, I mean, we, we started Drum in 2006. So we were going for 14, 15 years doing all ranges of digital media through video, animation, motion graphics, um, web and app. And it was, like I said, that moment when suddenly I couldn't access my own things that we had done that suddenly everything just had to change overnight we we 
I sat down with the team and said, look, this has to change because it's not, I didn't realize what we as an industry have been doing for, for so long, you know, because yes, you always looked at the, the kind of, the, the, the obvious, the cliche that, you know, does it work with screen readers? Can you use a keyboard? But that's just such a bare minimum approach to looking at accessibility. And we just needed to take a step back, refocus, retrain the staff, and deliver content going forward from that date that we knew was as accessible as it could be obviously like you say you can't in the best will in the world you can't ever be a hundred percent there'll always be some accommodations that need to be need to be made but you can certainly try and i think that was the biggest shift in in our focus was to to stop listen and and try and you, you mentioned earlier about user testing, and we used to do quite a lot of uh, qualitative user testing, you know, send it out to 2,000 people, 5,000 people, and, and work on the average. Whereas now, we don't do that. We don't work on quantitative. We work on qualitative and purely pick 10 key people to who have accessibility issues ranging from all areas of the spectrum so that we can actually get proper results and we're not working on what is the average you know because we everyone in our industry does it they sit down they create their user personas and it she's 40 she's a working mum she's got two children she's busy she's always on her phone she's always on the go she hasn't got time to do this xyz but that's that's me still you know but the difference is i can't do things on the go I can't rush around doing things on my phone because I only have the one hand which needs to hold on to the stick so you know it's just about like you said it's about making not making assumptions and welcoming comments from people so that you're designing with the disabled community rather than making an assumption based on even the guidelines even WCAG if you just based on guidelines you're you're not really inclusive you're just compliant two very different things absolutely so you've gone through a whole learning curve and probably yeah. like all the rest of us you're still in it absolutely. Um, <laughs> what's your biggest learning so far do you reckon um I think the fact that it's so uh, multifaceted and automated tests aren't enough you need to have a good database of, of user testers from the disabled community constantly change do regular audits you know it's about being open to learning and constantly re-evaluating every few months and seeing what more you can do so you've got a benchmark this is what we want to do for launch but that is just the starting point and then every quarter let's try and add more and more and more and include more and more people because the amount of times I will send a message to not a client of ours but a site I've seen that I haven't been able to access and I will give them recommendations I'm, I'm essentially giving them my my knowledge for free and I get nothing back and it is ignored and it's the most I personally don't understand it I, you know, even before I acquired my disability, I still 
don't understand how people just disregard certain members of the community. They're, they're your customers, whether they have a disability or they don't. They still have a tremendous buying power and you have to listen to them and accommodate it. And if you can't do it from day dot on your, on your website or your app, because obviously things take time, then call them, find, say, I'm sorry you found a problem with that. How else can we help you? And, and you know, take the product uh, buying over the phone. Just change your process rather than just point blank go into the ethernet of God knows where, but fold under, yeah, not interested. Good old customer care. Yeah, exactly. So on that then, your own clients, how have yeah. they reacted to, because... Have you also been educating them? How have they reacted to the fact that, you know, you're not only providing um, effective marketing material, but you're doing so in a way that is accessible? Do they even understand it? I think I think some have really embraced it. But the one the companies who I'd say truly have embraced it have either had a personal connection with someone who is disabled and therefore they get that empathy side of it or it's about uh, someone in the organization is really building on the inclusivity and they want to start from within and hire a diverse team. And it's purely re- recruitment, if that makes sense. So it's, yeah. they've embraced it because they want to have a more inclusive team or they've embraced it because someone they know also has problems and, and they've probably gone on and on and on over, over a bottle of wine as we all do. You know, um, but some have ignored it. Some are not interested and that's fine because they clearly don't align to our values. And we, you know, you can't put a, what's the phrase? Square round hole into a square peg or something like that. A square peg in a round hole. Yeah, thank you. Um, But I think the, the larger corporations or larger businesses, should I say, they've kind of really embraced it because when you talk to them about the purple pound and the fact that you've got high-end decision makers who might well have an impairment or the best uh, sales director you want to employ may have an impairment, you want to grow your following online, you know, that those, those tangible figures, I suppose, speak to them because they see it as I can increase my bottom line or I can increase my team, I can increase my followers. But the um, some are just scared. Something is too big an undertaking. They don't know where to start, even though you, you explain that it's not an overnight thing. You don't have to suddenly change. We can iterate and do small adjust, adjustments over time some people are scared by just the phrase accessibility because I think some there's a a misconception that accessibility is dull and uh you know some big brands want the big whizzy you know all singing all dancing award-winning website that suddenly if you say about being accessible they think of gov they think of the gov site they think of a, a white and black word document don't they um and it, but it's been wonderful to see the companies who have embraced it and have gone on the journey with us and realised that 
accessibility is still beautiful you know yeah. you can still make a fantastic looking site or collateral or app whatever it may be it can still be beautiful and on brand but also accessible um yeah so i think i think there's always going to be a mix of people isn't there between it always helps when they've got a personal connection to someone with a disability because they do hear it firsthand but if you can explain the the purple pound that's where i think is prick up and people start listening although i do find it's easier to on the b2c side on the purple pound because the b2b side think well there's we're not selling anything you know we're a service um so therefore the purple pound is irrelevant to me um and it would be nice to see a little bit more stats out there for for me personally to for it to be about the buying power from b2b not only b2c i suppose yeah but i mean it's interesting because there is a direct impact isn't there because by you doing your b2b business pardon all the bees um <laughs> there's obviously a massive impact on that whole customer journey because you know you're not going to increase your customer base you're not going to retain that customer loyalty and I know we're going to talk about that if you're not actually meeting someone's needs if they cannot purchase Mm. your product if they cannot do business with you Mm. they will go to someone where they can yeah yeah totally but I just think people incorrectly think of that as consumers you know buying a product rather than like I, I said before there's high-end decision makers there are people on the board that have disabilities you know it's not like the disabled community aren't in the what in the workplace and that we're all sat at home feeling sorry for ourselves you know we're all out there running businesses and people market to me but if I can't see what they're marketing and what they're saying then they're not going to get my business so I'd imagine I'm the same as anyone else who's a director of a company with an impairment you know and it's interesting because obviously officially when we talk about the purple pound it's the spending power of disabled people in their households yeah when I actually reference it I usually say about disabled people and their businesses and Uh, probably unconsciously in a way or maybe subconsciously is exactly (laughs) what you're talking about because you know there are lots of people out there running businesses who are disabled or maybe they're just a you know an influential figure within a business yeah um and you want their business as well and that is absolutely b2b yeah but why are they going to come to you if they can't even communicate effectively with you because you're not accessible to them yeah yeah and it's the same as people who just keep bombarding all this social media content out there to grow their followers And, and again it's the same thing you one in five people who read your post may not be able to read what you're saying. You know, it 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 doesn't take. The thing is, it doesn't take much. It, like I said, accessibility sounds scary, but there's some really simple, basic things that anyone should, everyone should be doing. You know, at, at kind of very granular level. I think um, even social media managers or or people out of university, they they need to learn from the beginning, you know, because that's where I would have learned. And 
everyone else in our industry would have learned. If we were taught this information from the get-go, when you're at university and you're becoming a designer, then when you're out in the real world, you're always thinking about those things. Um, but unfortunately, people don't. And it's only when people have a voice and shout about it like we all love doing on, on social media that people stop and listen and think, why didn't I think of that, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a couple of things there. One's about including accessibility within education and within course yeah. content. And anyone who listens to me regularly <laughs> will know that I harp on about, you know, accessibility needs to start earlier than the workplace. But particularly yeah. in higher education, where you're literally actively training for your profession um it has to be part of it and I know in some courses it has started but it tends to be like if you were going to pull it on a percentage and don't hold me to this because obviously I'm just making a point but it may be like five percent maximum or something um whereas in reality every module it touches on you know particularly if you're thinking about design you know Mm. and you're thinking about marketing then Mm. Every module it literally touches on, but there'll probably be, you know, one talk on it or something. Uh, And yes, there might be a couple of things to go away and consider, but it's definitely not going to cover everything you need to know. And so it doesn't set you up for success as a professional when you go into the workplace, because companies who do want to get it right, you'd be the one staring thinking, oh, where's Google? I don't even know what what am I doing here? And it's not because you don't have the skills to do your job. It's just because you haven't actually been equipped with the extra skills you need to uh, make sure you're doing it for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I I think we've started doing some talks with local universities around us, purely speaking to people, you know, who are doing digital design as a, hopefully a career choice because I just feel like it's so important and the lecturers who who respond to me are like oh that's fantastic it'd be lovely to kind of bring that to the table as if like I'm the first person to have ever suggested it you know and it's I it's crazy that it's coming I don't mind doing it because obviously as far as I'm concerned if we can reshape the digital uh, industry I'll be a very happy lady um but it wouldn't it shouldn't really have to come from the from an outside it should be there from from the beginning you know it's it's yeah <laughs> maybe we need to start a new university <laughs> Ooh, sounds good yeah. Ta- talking of learning um what advice <laughs> there could be a lot but a piece of <laughs> advice would you give to marketing professionals so that they can also um you know adapt and become more accessible um i think simply the 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 biggest one is to put the user back into ux you know all users are people all people are customers and stop being stop treating ux as kind of pigeonholing people into certain areas where they where they all belong treat everyone as a user and um stop using third-party access overload <laughs> 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 if i can have a second one 
<laughs> that is a very good one. Yes. Overlays on their own do not create accessibility. No. I think um, access everyone's kind of fallback. If they do that, then then it will be fine. But it 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 really drives me insane where where you see them so, used so often sometimes and you just think for actually it wouldn't take much that you know to actually just adapt their site a little bit and get rid of those overlays that don't work for half the people that actually need them in the first place or stop these um statements that say well if you want to do this go to ie and change this if you want to do that then go to firefox and do that it's like or you could just allow it to change the size of the font or you could allow it to be dark mode or light mode you know stop um again it's a compliance thing isn't it it's it's a case of as long as it's there i've done my bit i think rather than no you haven't done your bit you've actually made probably the person's life harder than actually just not having it there in the first place half the time yeah absolutely and i'm going to make some shameless plugs actually but it's for some helpful resources that we've got out there so if you go to the website, bepeoplesmart.co.uk, there are on our tools and resources um, tab, there are some options in the more tools and resources. One pages that are top tips and quick wins, there's five on each, and they really are there to help you make some quick changes today that make a difference. And they're very affordable because they're £4.99 plus VAT if you need to pay it. Um, also, we have a um, inclusive communications workshop that gets fantastic feedback. I'll say it because I deliver most of them and I know what feedback we get. So I'm quite happy to hand on heart say it's really effective. So take a look. But the other thing that I think from our conversation today that would really help a lot of people is we do have digital accessibility guidelines. They do go beyond others out there. I'll say that. but they are written in very plain English in uh, consumable sections. They have got visual aids to make it you know, clearer and add context. So they are there to help you. So take a look, see if they can help you because we want to make sure we're enabling you to enable everybody else. They sound fantastic because ultimately the more simple they are, you know, the, the straightforward, plain English, it's not daunting. Here's six steps. You know, everyone, everyone can absorb those those quick those quick wins. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly our intention. So it's important. So I'll get away from my shameless plugs and I want to touch on the second myth. We've kind of talked about it, but I'd like to hear your personal experience. So we talked about brand loyalty. And I know that a lot of people use certain brands, you know, they'll they'll be loyal to certain organizations for services, etc., for quite a long time. But it can change, can't it, Kay? Absolutely. I, I think it's that something like six, 60 to 70% of revenue in most companies come from repeat business with existing clients. So, you know, you can't put a price on brand loyalty, but it, it's not a given. Loyalty changes as you need to change, really. Um, as you said, not everyone is born with a disability. And uh, 78% of so people acquire their impairment over the ages of 16, isn't it? And for me personally, there was there was from 
you know, uh, day-to-day living like restaurants or leisure centres that I'd go to or supermarkets. And then from a business perspective, software I'd use, phones, iOS, uh, operating systems, sorry. That was nearly a shameless plug. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I've had to change everything, like, like literally everything, because where I used to love going suddenly they weren't so accommodating to me and I was more of an inconvenience suddenly overnight and I I simply stopped going I took my business elsewhere Mm -hmm. to someone who was accommodating who was welcoming and now my spending money is, is is with a rival brand and ultimately that's what it it comes down to I think overnight I tried to to, I suppose live exactly the same as I was doing before and go to the same places and shop at the same places and run the business the same way and it, it, it doesn't work it you know that as soon as you realize when you can't do something day to day on a piece of software that you've used for 10 years right okay we'll switch the, we'll switch the software mm-hmm. uh, and when and when they call and they say, you know, where, why are you going, Kate? You've been such a wonderful customer. Why are you going elsewhere? Well, because I can't use your software. It's not accessible. Oh, well, it's something that we're looking to potentially do in the future. Yeah, well, I don't want to just sit here waiting for you to get that ready. So in the meantime, I will go somewhere that is accessible, you know. So I just think people need to, I guess, not rest on their laurels because situations can change overnight as I found out and my buying power has changed overnight the way I live my life has changed overnight and um, I think probably 90% of the places that I either went to um, physically or bought from online I've changed I've changed because I've want to give my business to brands that are leading the way the brands that are trying and are clearly listening and the brands that aren't are going to get left behind in my opinion because it doesn't take much for brand loyalty to be broken yeah and I mean I always love uh, when guest speakers give me the myths they want to bust because they more often than not they make me really smile but this one absolutely did because I talk a lot to organisations about how disability inclusion and accessibility will help them future-proof their business. Yeah. And I think what you've just shared is exactly that. Yeah. To, to future-proof and to be sustainable in a business, you have to be accessible. It's, it's that simple because people get older, people acquire disabilities. You know, we're, we're an ageing population. There's, there's so many reasons to do it that you're just you are going to get left behind you really are there are so many fantastic brands out there who are 100% leading the way and people will follow and it's not just even the disabled community that I'm sure everyone will probably say it but my whole family they've changed where they where they shop where they you know where they buy where they go because of me as well so probably because I have a nag and I have a moan but it's a case of it it's incredibly powerful bad publicity isn't it um not in a good way I mean but it 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 can really spread 
very quickly um, a bad a bad experience with with someone and I think when I like I'm not going to name names but let's I went to a restaurant that I loved going to it was always my you know favorite place it was my birthday or special occasion that would be where I would go um so you know they knew my face they saw me saw me a lot and then obviously the next time they saw me um was in a very very different situation um and <laughs> I I asked to use the toilet and they said yes it's it's where it's upstairs on the right and I said yeah um have you got an accessible toilet do you know where they sent me they sent me through the pots and pans around the back into the kitchen where all the chefs were and there was a staff toilet there that was accessible had you know um in the kitchen with the chefs and there was pots and pans and there was mops and buckets and I was literally falling all over the place trying to get into this this toilet and I came out and I said about it that that wasn't, you know, they've got beautiful toilets upstairs. I've been there. I've been going there for years. I know how swanky that place is. But suddenly I was put with the dirty washing, essentially. And, and when I said it, they said, um, well, we all we have to do is provide an accessible toilet. And, and it's like, no, that's not all you have to do. You don't have to provide. You basically ruined my whole years of being you know of loving that place recommending that place to yeah no I'm not coming back here thank you you know it's not often I'm surprised by accessible toilet stories because <laughs> there are so many yeah. I mean literally trying to get past the mops because they're used as storage cupboards absolutely toilet ish um all of these kind of things but yeah, it just it it still amazes me to hear like you know going through the toilet, uh, going through the kitchen to get to the toilet, and but also I think to be honest, I think if when you point it out to a company, if they react with a, do you know we've literally we've never had that feedback, we've not even thought about it, we're just a bit embarrassed now, you know, whatever that yeah. may be. And it may not be easy for them to then make the changes because of course the infrastructure within the building yeah. is what it is, but to respond appropriately, That's it just goes thing. to show their lack of understanding, awareness and empathy mm. to respond with, look, we've ticked a box. Yeah. Your box it, is ticked, Kay. What do you kind, want from it us? It's kind of like, Look, we've given you a toilet. You're lucky you're going to go for a wee. So stop moaning was kind of the, the tone I got back. And it was, like you say, even if they'd come back and said, I'm really sorry, that normally doesn't happen, or we're changing this, or how can we make it e easier and have a conversation with me, that, that would be wonderful to hear, rather than, well, you, there's a luxury of having a toilet. So stop moaning, <laughs> you know? And do you know what's interesting as well? Because I wonder, because you say, you know, obviously it's quite a swanky place and yeah. you know, customer service usually tended to be very good. Yeah. So I wonder if I went upstairs to the toilets, came back down and said, oh, the first cubicle hasn't got any paper in it. If they would go, well, you should have just used the second one. I doubt <laughs> yeah. it. They probably would have said. would have run up there and fixed yeah. it. Probably said, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. We we do do our checks. Like, you know, oh, how embarrassing or whatever. Yeah. 
I don't think they would have said, well, there's two others. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, um, but like I said, I've, I've changed a lot of, of, of my brand loyalty. And I know other people do. And it, it, like I said, it's even down to the text that I now have to use or the laptop I use or the, or the phone. It, it is all changed based on now making my life, life easier, you know? So people, people change and you have to, okay, yes, like we said, we can't accommodate everyone, but at least try and keep them as a customer try and understand that their situation has changed and therefore you need to try and help accommodate them because they were still willing to give you their business and don't see it as well if you couldn't do it that's that's your problem the majority of people can you know <laughs> I, I don't know why I still laugh at this stuff it's just the irony like yeah it's, it, it literally ironic <laughs> so Let's try and make things better. Yep. I'm going to give you my question. So this is my Harry Potter fan question. Um, but I love the answers I get. So I'm going to give you a magic wand now. There's no, no limitations because it's magic. And you can change one thing in the world to make it more inclusive. What are you going to do? Ooh, I think um, <clears throat> make the whole world accessible by default. Everyone benefits from accessibility. You know, everyone uses tools like Alexa or drop the drop curb or predictive text or automatic doors. If the whole world was just accessible by default, everyone benefits, literally everyone, because the only reason these assistive technologies have become so popular is because the, it was created for the disabled community and then the rest of the world went, that's awesome. That makes my life so much easier. Let's start using that. And it, it got adopted. So if the whole world was created accessible by people in the disabled community from the get-go, like literally every single minute thing, everyone would have an easier, happier life with tools that, that make their life easier. Love it. And I <laughs> wish I could give you that magic wand. Yeah. Sadly, but, I can't. but between us, we can start, you yeah. know, we can shift that needle and make some of this uh, accessibility happen. And there's a lot of people out there that are obviously working to do this. So, yeah, I believe that we will see some uh, traction, but we just need more people to get, take a step back, look at how you're actually operating, look at what you're producing and think about accessibility from the get go. See, see if you can do better. Or always strive to do better I think isn't it definitely so on that note what would you love people to take away from this episode people might acquire a disability through trauma or or illness and when people's uh, situations change as does their buying power their and their brand loyalty so your life can change literally in an instant your family's your employees life your customers life so whatever age your disability is acquired whether it's hopefully um temporary um you deserve the right to the same online content you deserve the same right to the same employment you know give everyone everyone a seat at the table design with the disabled community and include us i think just um yeah don't rest on rest, rest on your laws i think i see it as a bit of a 
blessing my acquired dis disability because it's only when you've seen both sides do you see how unfair sounds wrong wrong and I don't really mean that word but how um how the world is made with bias with unconscious bias and it's only unfortunately when you acquire a disability or you listen that you realize that <clears throat> things have to change people need to change the world needs to change you know the world does need to change it does. and as you're part of that change and I'm sure people are going to want to find you how do they find you and more about what you do so obviously you can find me on LinkedIn. My name's Kay Moores. Um, or you can check out our website, which is uh, wearedrum.com. And you'll find out more information about Drum Studios. Wonderful. And I can include uh, the link in the episode details as well. Amazing. So I just want to say thank you so much for your time today, Kay. And not only have you shared some, you know, practical guidance, but your own story. And actually for a really positive lens, which... It's really nice because, yes, there's a lot to be done, um, yeah. but you've you've found some avenues to help that happen and yeah. also taken some positivity from your own life changes. And it's just it's nice to hear, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you can use your voice for good, can't you? And it's in digital industry. I love it. I've been in it for so long and I want to stay in it, but I'm determined to to make that industry more inclusive and to make people realize what what they're doing because it's not all doom and gloom it really isn't there's some fantastic people out there and people that are really 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 trying it's just um like you say more people need to talk about it and uh wave my magic wand and we'll all be happy <laughs> absolutely so thank you for your time and your determination thank you, <laughs> thank you jody and thank you to you all for listening today. Um, I hope you've taken a lot away from the episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Kay. I certainly have. So until next time, for some more myth busting, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please rate us and leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the amazing guest speakers we have lined up.